All right, will you remain standing? Please remain standing. Remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Will you remain standing for the reading of God's Word? Remain standing. Today we'll finish our sermon series on what disciples do. Disciples go on mission. Disciples grow in small relationships like small groups and disciples gather together in community. Go ahead and stay standing as we read God's word. Hebrews 10 verse 19 through 25. Today I'll be preaching over this theme of gathering with this title, You Are Invited, with the subtext, Don't Give Up. This is verses 19 to 25 of Hebrews 10. This is God's word. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You are invited is our title. Turn to someone near you as you grab a seat and tell them, look them in the eyes, tell them, don't give up. Look at them and tell them, don't give up. You may be seated. You may be seated. Do not give up. Do not even think about giving up. Do not give up. In 2010, we had a trailer. There was about 40 of us that courageously set out from Bethany Green Lake and we started services at the Richmond Highlands Recreation Center. That first Sunday, we pulled the trailer in. We unloaded the carts. We set up. We were delighted that first Sunday to see 70 or 80 different people there. And there was 20 to 30 kids. This might just work. And then the following Sunday, there was actually about 40 people there. It was like, oh yeah, our moms and grandmas are coming with us week after. Like they came the first week, and this is the second week. This is 10, this is eight years ago. And when my daughter saw this, she said, oh, you look so young. <laughs> that's what being a pastor would make you look like. Here it goes, wrinkles, the whole thing, right? You look so little. We had flowers and shirts, and we ran around sweating, but it was all around this belief that the church matters still in this community. Now, there's a lot of great churches across the world and across the street. Some of my friends have passed through this community. So let's never be guilty of naivety or, or pride that somehow we're doing something that no one's ever done. But what we set out to do here is that the church would matter in relationship one to another. That we would matter to God and matter to each other. And so for eight years, we have, we have aligned under this value that the church matters. That it matters. That in our day and age, where we're feeling increasingly disconnected and disjointed and cut off from God and others, it's the church that is Christ's messenger, the church, that is God's messenger, and we are invited into this, into this divine invitation of life together. What a mystery that here 2,000 years later, that the church, the, the gathering of men and women, young and old, white and brown, and every, like that we would all come together, not from our similarities, but because of Christ, calling us together to proclaim Him. Amen? Our big idea this morning 
is that the church still matters. And that the church, the gathering of God's people around worship, sacrament, and word will be the centerpiece of Christ's witness in our world for all time through three key activities of pursuing and spurring and enduring. These, this list is not exclusive, but it's the list you're getting today. So dig in. The church still matters. It's what God laid in my heart 10 years ago now, and he's not done with me yet. There are days. There are days. Let's be honest. There's days where we're like, forget it. The church is easy to get discouraged with, myself included. But this church, the church of Jesus Christ, is called to be the centerpiece of God's witness in our world through these activities of pursuing and spurring and enduring. Let's look at the beginning. Pursuing. We are meant to be a people pursuing God together. Pursuit. Look at verse 19 through 23 of Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that's his body, And since we've got a great priest over the house of God, there's one house of God, there's one priest, Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. So much is in here about assurance and confidence and peace and being set free by Jesus. We've got this assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That God's house we enter together unswervingly, the writer of Hebrews says. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. It's a Jewish context. The Hebrews said, hey, it's one house. That, it's not even about the temple anymore. Jesus has brought us all. His blood has washed us. It's not our effort. It's not our vision. It's not our program. It's not our bulletin. It's not a t-shirt, it's his blood moving us from a disjointed people into unity. And we're called, brothers and sisters, to enter it together. Now the word for church in the New Testament is this Greek word, ecclesia, ecclesia. This is what the church was. In Greek, it means the called out ones. That this is who we're called to be. We're meant to be called out, growing together, entering this new place, this fullness of Christ. Brothers and sisters, here the, the new building of faith through his work in us. There's confidence there. There's assurance there. There's cleanliness there. There's peace in that. I want to go there. I want, I want to live in that house. And I can only live in that house all the time. This fullness of God, fullness of the Spirit. We, we, we're not there yet. But Christ is constantly calling us to enter into the reality that it's his blood cleansing our lives. What did Jesus say about Ecclesia? What did Jesus say about the church? There's a lot of, there's a lot of discrepancy. Well, is the church Jesus' idea or is it man's idea, human's idea? Jesus uses the word Ecclesia twice in his ministry, where he uses this word for church, Ecclesia, twice. Let's look at both of them, because it's Jesus' people, it's Jesus' church. We need to know what he says about all things, but let's talk about what does Jesus think about the church? It's only two places, pretty easy. Matthew 16 Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, I will build my church, my church. Now that's interesting because this is the thing about scripture is that each time we go to scripture, even verses that we've read dozens and dozens and dozens of times, something new can pop and something popped this week. The church says Jesus is mine. Now that's different 
Because typically Jesus doesn't identify himself in ownership terms. He doesn't talk about my possessions. He doesn't talk about my house. He doesn't talk about... No, he says in one place his ministry, all I have is the Father's. But here Jesus says the church is mine. The church is Jesus. Now that's, that's inspiring to me. That, that gives me courage because when we're, when we're trying to build a church, we're not trying to build a human organization. We're not trying to be charismatic leaders or, or be defined by the size of our numbers or the quality of our t-shirts. We've got to be a Jesus church. We've got to be professing the thing that actually gives us our definition. This is tricky these days because literally on the left and the right, people are calling churches to adopt a program of the person. To, to adopt, you know, a, 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 a you know, a, a way of influence before Christ Himself. If you see this called out, if your church this week isn't advocating the values of our conservative court, get them walk out. It's not a real church. If your church this week isn't talking about fill in the blank, whatever town in America violence against people of color happen, you know, if that's not the, the number one thing your church is talking about, then it's not a church. Now, I get it, because from the beginning, the church has mattered the culture. It has, from the beginning. The church, from the beginning, slave-free, Greek and Jew, male and female, it was the most unique, oddball group of people gathered together, not by their alignment that they all look the same, but by the alignment of Christ, that it is the center point, not the fences that align us as Christians. From the beginning, they had a ministry of from the beginning, they, they healed people, they preached God, they fed people. Like, the church has always been doing stuff. It's not just this, like, orthodoxy alone, what I think about. No, no, it's orthodoxy and orthopraxy. And so from the beginning, the church matters about the way we vote, the way we love people on the street, the way that we advocate to the unborn, advocate to the marginalized and the oppressed. That's not it. But it always comes after proclamation of Christ. If we get those out of alignment, we talked about this last couple months, if we become program or politic before person of Christ, we've lost our witness. The church exhibits to be mine, says Jesus. It's my church. So that means every single week we just talk about Jesus and tell Jesus stories and call more and more and more people into saving faith to him. It's his church. It's his like, this is it. The second thing Jesus said about the ecclesia, the second place he used the word, was about discipline. In Matthew 18, he says, when you have an unrepentant brother, he kind of gives some instructions. Talk to them. Talk to a few others. But if, if his brother won't turn from the sin, he says, tell it to the ecclesia. Tell it to the church. And so this is important. Why? Because some... Some kind of false narrative is the church should only exist for fellowship alone, but not any kind of discipline or encouragement or shaping. We're called to be pursuing Christ, but pursuit comes with discipline. Now, oftentimes we kind of think the church now like getting a club card at Safeway, right? It's free. Do you want the card? Sure, if it'll save me a couple bucks on 20 oranges that you purchase, right? You want to drive to the paper, be spamming. Oh, yeah, I'll join your club. Great. But if there's another store, or a different store, or I give up on oranges. Did, did that checker and the check stand gave me a little cross to get down? I, I was here, Safeway. Like, you dust you know, dust the shoulders off. Like, this isn't the church. The church is called to be people pursuing God together, and discipline matters. That we are people of theology and discipline and relationship. 
And that our, our witness to God happens as we change each other and shape each other. And know this, church, the only place that this will happen is places of relationship, places where we're known. You can't podcast spiritual growth. Yeah, you can podcast some, oh, that's an interesting thought, but actually being known in community, having people challenge me and shape me on the days that I don't feel like gathering, that's what happens in the church. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, now you're the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part. And God has placed in church apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and gifts of healing and helping and guidance and tongues. And are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Are healing or tongues? No. Now eagerly, says Paul, desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If you read that in 1 Corinthians 12, it's a bit mysterious. He lays out all of the spiritual gifts, and then he names that he'll eagerly desire the greater gifts, plural. What are plural gifts? He's being metaphorical here. But that any way you count it, the greater gift he gets into in 1 Corinthians 13, the way is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. But the, the pursuit of God is a pursuit of love, and it's a pursuit as being a church is trying to love each other well. Loving God and loving others happens in the church. It's bigger than any politic of the day or any program we're trying to push. It's the person of Christ. And this is where the fellowship comes from. This is it. It's the pursuit of the main thing. The main thing. When I was a kid, we raised cattle. We had cattle. Just a couple. And, and one of the, we had, we had a real problem with the cattle getting outside the fences. Because nursing cattle, they, they need sodium constantly. When they're making milk, they need sodium and chloride. And so if there's not enough sodium on their pasture, if there's no salt, they'll chew dirt and rocks and wood, anything, because they're hungry for this mineral that their body needs. Now, they're cows. Anyone raise cows in the room? Not the smartest of animals, right? But there's this thing with cattle. Like, if they're not getting what they need, they will hang around the fence lines. And they will find ways to get out of those darn fences. Now, we, we spent a lot of time as kids. We were fixing fences all the time. I mean, mishmash, barbed wire, wood, driftwood. Like, anything we get to try to keep these cows in, those blood cows would get out. We'd chase them down the road. It was an island we were on, so they couldn't get far. But still, so much time trying to pursue these cattle. We kept busting out of the fences until we figured out that they needed something in the middle. Like, we had, literally, this guy's like, oh, they're just hungry for salt. We got a big salt lick, literally a, a mineral lick. Good in the middle of property equals happy cows. That's the point. It is the center point of our faith that we pursue, keep pursuing. And our discipline matters, our theology matters, but it's this witness of Christ, the center of our faith. We unabashedly continue to gather around because we look really different, you and me. We have different experiences. We maybe think different things about certain politics and whatnot. That's okay. We gather in the church because of who Jesus is, not because of who we are. That's what we are. We're pursuing him. These same journeys to, to go get the cattle back in the fence. Sometimes we would take a truck. And we had this chocolate lab, really good dog named Herschel. Good dog. And Herschel loved to chase cattle. But he would kind of chase them and they would run into the turn of the woods. We would spend hours chasing bloody cows and Find us one time the dog is chasing the cow and just pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. It's too much. We put the dog in the pickup truck, shut the door. We go to kind of find the cow to get the back of our fence. It's crash. The dog jumped 
through the window of the truck. It was so fire that jumped through the clothes, now broken, window of the truck. Hit the ground zone, back out and chasing cat. I want to be a dog and not a cat, all right? This is like, like they, they're all so filled with this energy, with this passion, that this like, this like, Jesus, do something big in my life. Allow me to sometimes take reckless chances and, and be big in my faith. I said it last week, and I believe it. I think sometimes the church continues to decline in the West because we don't believe God is very powerful anymore. But in Asia and Africa, where the church, the Christian church, and Jesus Christ is exploding, they have a bigger view of Jesus. We need to expand our pursuit of Christ. It's what our witness is as, uh, as a church. The second thing that I want to lift up through this Hebrews text is this word spurring. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spurring. The Greek word here is paroxymos. It means to incite or to excite as if riding a horse. Encouragement through discipline. Your church is spurring you on to greater faith. Spurring. Like hiring a personal trainer. Trying to take you someplace you couldn't go without the church. It's trying to develop you as a person of greater faith. Greater to you. Greater witness of Jesus Christ. You can't do that alone. We think we can. We can't exist in our faith walk alone. We're called to be spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 24 says... It's like marriage. When we got married, our, our, uh, our pastor that married us, he gave us this, this example. He said what, what the, the best example of marriage is like, he said it's like uh, a woodworker on a lake. You will be the primary instrument, he promised, of shading each other. That sounded wonderful. I'm not a woodworker, but a lathe, you put a piece of wood, it's rough, it's ugly, it comes out like a beautiful table leg. I'm like, that sounds wonderful. I had this picture. I could see Patrick Swayze in Ghost. I could just see, you know, like, we're making something beautiful together. And, you know, I didn't want Patrick Swayze's on to that. You get the point. Like, this would be good. We're shaping something like a, like a woodworker on a lake. The reality, 20 years in, not all change feels good. Like, being shaped, stuff coming off me, exposing my selfishness, my pride, my lack of humility, that doesn't feel good. The reality is I need, as much as I need my wife and marriage to remind me what God wants to keep teaching, I need the church to be taking me somewhere, spurring one another on towards good deeds. This has always been our witness, spurring each other on that it's not easier is better, but good things can happen even in the struggle. And we believe of the hard work of the church is to spur one another on to faith. This is the Acts 5 church. In Acts 5 where the disciples were, were beaten and put in jail. The apostles were. And then they were brought to court. In verse 38 of Acts 5, there's this, there's this man on the Sanhedrin, Gamaliel, who says, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you. They're trying to figure out what to do with the disciples. Do we keep beating them or do we let them go? He says, Leave these men, the apostles, alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in, had them flogged again, one more time for good measure. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And then the apostles left the Sanhedrin. They rejoiced because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. 
Because this is the reality as we're being spurred on. At times, it'll hurt. At times, we'll struggle. At times, we'll face pain. At times, we'll face discouragement. But it's more and more Christ being revealed to me that he has spurred me on still. These disciples in Acts 5, they're just getting wet and beaten, but they're leaving glorifying God because they're being spurred on, encouraged, challenged, changed. That's what we're trying to do as a church. And when you leave today, we've got a little invitation because next week we'll start a book of Romans and we'll be talking about the building. And we believe that there are people in this community that need to be spurred on towards Christ with us. And so when you leave here, I'm going to encourage you to, to, you're going to have one of these put in your hands. I'm going to encourage you to take it and pray over it. God, is there somebody you want me to invite to church with me next week? If they go to church, not them. Leave them in their church. Well, they don't love their church. That's fine. They need to be in their church. If there's people on your soccer team, in your work cubicle, in your neighborhood that you know aren't really connected to a faith community, invite them to church. Give them the postcard. Say, next week we're going to start this story of Romans. Do you want to come with me? Because we believe that we're called to be spurring people on. We're not done yet. We showed that video to the Bethany Council on Tuesday night. It's really beautiful. People, you know, more desire, all this and that. And they're like, wow, God's done something really great the last eight years. I said, he has. I went home that night, and one of my coworkers texted me. She said, when you guys were presenting tonight, God gave me a word for Bethany North. God gave me a word. Ask me for more. Ask me for more. Ask me for more. Ask me for more. And I don't know exactly what that word is, is supposed to do, but it's encouraged me a great deal this week. That though we're tired, and though there's been a lot we've accomplished in the years, we're not done asking God for more. God, expand our reach. It, it allow us to invite people in. May we be a church spurring one another on to deeper faith in Jesus Christ. It's his church. We're pursuing, we're spurring, and finally, this last word from verse 25, we're called to be enduring, to endure together in the call of Christ. Verse 25 of Hebrews 10, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day here, though it's capitalized in most of our versions, is actually just Himera. It just means actually a day. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, you kind of get it. In eschatology, yeah, you know what I mean. In eschatology terms, that the end time is coming. And as we look forward to the end, the writer of Hebrews says that do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. Let's not give up. There's a process of endurance in the Christian church. Do not abandon ship. That this is meant to be a life raft for you. You know, I love the endurance stories. Like literally, the endurance where, you know, Shackleton and his men lived over 400 days on the ice. But let's endure and not give up. Or Lou Zamperini's story of Unbroken, where he survived for 47 days in a life raft. There's like, I've experienced this in my own journey in the last six months. Times of intense difficulty and doubt and discouragement, feeling just down and out. It was my Christian community that was a life raft to me. Like, don't give up ship. Continue to endure, says the writer, and believe that you need to matter one to another. In John 13, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. That term, one another, in English is two words, but in the ancient Greek, it's one word, alelon. 
alone, one another. It's such a core piece of our faith, one another, that it shows up over a hundred times in the New Testament. Over a hundred times. A third of those times are just about unity, even when it's difficult. Because it was difficult even at the beginning. Another third of those times is about loving one another. That we're meant to be people of one anothering. We're meant to be enduring and continuing to believe that the church matters. Church in a school, church in a Lutheran building, church in you know, whatever denomination that is like. As long as Christ is proclaimed, we're called to not give up ship and believe that we belong one to another. Do not give up meeting together, but encourage one another as you see the day approaching. This matter of endurance is a strong word for us. It's a good word. It's a word necessary for me and my own soul this morning. It's had a little bit of a discouraging week in some ways. We're called to endure and not give up believing that God's still moving here and the gathered community still matters. That's what God said to me 10 years ago, and he said, you're not done yet. Know that people are in need in your community. There are people in your schools, in your jobs, in your neighborhoods who don't know that I love them. And so keep inviting them in. Keep enduring that the church matters. Keep believing that there's empty chairs here for a reason because more people are meant to come. There's so much loneliness and despair in our world. I don't know if you saw the story in April of this year in Detroit. There was a, there was a man who in the middle of the night crawled out outside Detroit, out onto a bridge to end his life. 20-foot fall below, crawled out of the interstate. Michigan State Police moved quickly to shut down and barricade off I-596. And the man you know, was kind of talking to police, but he was, he was dumb. He was hopeless. He had no endurance. He was, he was over Hopeless. So many people are so hopeless in our community. And what happened then is something really beautiful. Because the Michigan State Police, they said, you know, there's a barricade. You cut off the highway where I deal with the suicide man out on the bridge. But we need help if we're calling away and the truckers are able to come. And so slowly in the middle of the night, one truck just pulled up right under where the man was going to jump. Well, still three wide overpass, the man moved. And then slowly a second truck pulled in and parked and I was struck there and the man moved. One by one, each of the spaces being filled up until all 15 lanes by 596 were full of items and items. There was nowhere left for the man and this took out it did and we love the sermon story but the fact that that has changed for a lot of us in the room will take a really long time there's a lot of people in our world and certainly maybe some in this room that would feel like I'm right on the edge of giving up on my faith on the church on my marriage on things with my mom or dad with my friends and if you're in that place this morning that's better work don't give up. Don't give up hope. Because God's not done. And Mission State Police talked to this man and we were able to talk him off the ledge and into a hospital where he got help. And help is available. We talked about this last week. We talked about the reality that a lot of the church is really getting over to despair and kind of discouragement. Don't give up. There's another piece of story that's really beautiful. I think it's encouraging for us to celebrate this together. At least 13 trucks that took really all night long. They, they, they gave up the ability to take a detour and deliver the load. They gave up you know, hours at a time because change and serving and caring for people takes time. 
and it costs you something. But these men that drove these 13 trucks that helped save a life, once the whole ordeal was over, Michigan State police officers walked by each truck, jumped up on the rake, looked them in the eyes, shook their hand, said thank you. You saved a life. Thank you. Thank you one by one, shaking each of the people in the trucks. We won't have, for most of us, such a, such a big moment where someone's going to walk up and say, thanks for inviting me to church to save my life. Thanks for bringing me in here when I was a sister. Thank you for inviting me where I felt so long. Thank you for what? This is a church that will continue to believe in the power of the gathering. And whether you're on the bridge today, ready to give up on something, or in the truck below, just feel like, man, I spent some hours that might be a little time. The Lord Jesus wants to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. Don't give up. And thank you for the many ways that you continue to be a blessing in our community. There are people that are the truck drivers of this church in this room right now. Thank you for the ways that you love people up. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you. you made a huge impact. And if you're on the bridge this morning, it's okay. Like, God wants to bring hope to your life. Because for a lot of us, we'll take turns. From being on the bridge, down into a truck, and vice versa. Okay? Don't give up. God's not done speaking words of encouragement. Pursue Him. Okay, spur one another on. Endure. And when the church matters, be changing lives in this community. Will you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for this community. Thank you, God, that you're not done with us and that we celebrate years. We look with joy and anticipation, asking for more. God, give us more. More people to bless, more impact to make. Lord God, allow us to be a church proclaiming. We want to see lives changed and transformed. Allow us to be people of relationship that matter one to another. Lord God, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for saving our lives. For the people on the bridge this morning, in this room, or listening on the podcast later, may the God of hope and joy and peace so fill their lives that they are not trapped in their despair. And for the truck drivers, the faithful ones in this